two seconds, one, the sound of a buzzer, and it's over! The Milwaukee Admirals, 29 years of battling, and the ship has come ashore! They're the Calder Cup champions, the Milwaukee Admirals! Oh, what a sight! As they gather down to the left, it's pure joy for Admiral hockey fans! What a win! What a season! Oh! Hello and welcome to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims. June 6, 2004, the Milwaukee Admirals won their only Calder Cup. Champions of the American Hockey League sweeping the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins in four games. Uh, the final score of that last game, Charlie, do you remember it? 7-2. to two. Well played. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Good. That Admirals team won a record six overtime games in the Calder Cup playoffs. Um, six in a row. The first game in the playoffs yeah. was an overtime loss. Lost. And then um, six straight. I think that might have been a 1 0 score. Uh, six straight I, overtime wins after that. That first game. Uh, it was against Cincinnati and Cincinnati had beaten the defending champion arrows, Houston arrows in that play in 20 teams made the playoffs that year. Right. And, and pared it down. But uh, the Admirals lost five to four in the first overtime. Five to four, okay. Yep. Uh, and then it was a six, nothing win, a one, nothing loss, a four, three overtime win, a three, one loss, and then a pair of wins at the Bradley center, six, three and five, one to get through. Uh, also during the playoffs, Wade Flaherty became the first goalie to win 16 games 16 in the Calder Cup playoffs, which really is amazing. Um, when you think about it, it's four, four game series and yeah. or four, four wins, uh, four series, four wins in each series to move on. It's, it's kind of amazing. And, and, uh, Forgive me, maybe there was a three-game series in there before and guys got the 15 yeah. and all of that, that stuff, right? I think that's the case, is that the AHL had not previously played four rounds of... Yeah. Because when the year, even the year before, uh, the when the Arrows won it, actually in 2003, the Admirals played that qualifying series against Rochester, beat Rochester, and then got swept in the first round by Houston, and that was the five-game series. It was three-zip. Yep. So, so that's probably why there was never anybody who got 16 games because you never needed 16 wins. The uh, um, there were there were a total of 93 games played throughout the playoffs. That was the most of any Calder Cup playoffs. Uh, Wilkes-Barre Scranton lost 12 times during the playoffs, which so they lost three, three, two, and four yeah. to to get to that point. So um, that's the most ever losses. They also played. Uh, Wilkes-Barre Scranton did 11 overtime games in the playoffs that year. So 11. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my really gosh. Crazy. 17 shutouts in the playoffs that year, 27 overtime games. Again, the Admirals played in seven of those Wilkes-Barre Scranton 11. Um, really, really amazing uh, playoff run in 2004. The Admirals won. And we've talked so many times about that playoff run. Uh, how impressive it was, how the team came together, how you had such a combination of veterans and young players, how you had a coaching staff that was uh, relatively young in yeah. their in their career, in their coaching pursuit. careers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you had uh, a group of players that, when you look back, and this was pointed out to us a couple of weeks ago on one of these podcasts, Matthew Darsh pointed it out, I believe. Um, all of the players from that team, none of them really became 30 goal scorers in the NHL. They all right. became third and fourth line energy guys, which right. 
it really says made, a lot of they made right, if, they, if they had a career in the NHL. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, really, it, it, it was. That was a great point. And, and the only the real the real only guy who was sort of a was a, a, a scorer would have been Tony Herkus. And he was on the backside of his uh, NHL career. Yes. Yeah. He would retire. At, at the end a couple of years later, right? Besides those, at the end of 0405, it was yeah. his last season, and right, yeah, and then a couple of comebacks with Houston in the playoffs a few years later. But, but yeah, for all intents and purposes, he was done after the 0405 season. So, yeah, uh, a really remarkable team. Now, Charlie and I, we've we've done this podcast for almost two years now, and yeah. we've had several guests who were key members of that 2004 championship team, and. Charlie had a brilliant idea. Uh, thought it would be fun to highlight that since we're on the anniversary, 17-year anniversary of the Admirals only AHL championship, uh, yeah. tournament championship, Calder Cup championship. Yeah. Um, and let's hear let's hear from those guys and highlight this special time in Admirals history. Absolutely. I think uh, I wouldn't call it a brilliant idea. I appreciate that though. Um, but one of the things that I've really loved in doing this is just, and this is one of the reasons we started this, is to hear stories that we've never heard before, right? We all know Michelle Terrian freaking out on the bench, yeah. And I'm and uh, as an example, but we also we don't know about you know individual like individual reactions to it, individual reactions to it, or about what about Michelle Terrian barking at Simone Gamash right. like he did. Uh, and we hear that from Matthew Darsh. There's so many good, st- unique stories that we've heard from these guys, uh, from the Darren Hadars and the Matthew Darshes and, and so many other guys, Doug Agnew, Mike Wojciechowski, uh, you know, Claude Noels. We have so many, any, so many different perspectives on this championship and really what it took to be a championship team. Some, there's some deep stuff in there. There's some lighthearted stuff in there. And we really hope that you'll enjoy some of these snippets and some of these unique perspectives uh, of these guys as they tell the story of the Admirals Calder Cup Championship run. June 6th, 2004 is when they captured the championship with a four-game sweep of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Without further ado, here it is. About 70 degrees warmer than it is in Milwaukee right now. Uh, <laughs> former Admirals head coach Claude Noel. Good to talk to you, Claude. I remember calling the coach in Hartford, who's now assistant coach in, in Las Vegas. And uh, I, said, I said to him, you know, how was the series? Would you mind sending me some video, some tape? And he said to me, he said, well, they, they have a good team. And 12 or four, 12, 13 guys had played a lot of the year in Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh were out, so they got all sent back. And what, I remember getting the tape from them. And I thought, oh, my God, that's a good team. Whoa. And I, it, it, it kind of shocked me, scared me a bit, you know, because I thought, oh, my goodness, that's, that's some veteran guys. And then you start picking things apart and stuff. And I, I had asked them one question, you know, what are some of their weaknesses and where, where, can, where can I get it after this? You know, what can we exploit and take advantage of? And he said, well, their coach is a loose cannon. And that was Michel Therrien. Yeah. And he's pretty emotional, you know, and he said, I think he can kind of get to him because he is just wound up and he's wired. So I thought, okay, well, let's see how this goes. So we're at home in game, we won game one, I think in overtime. We were a little lucky to win it. 
yeah, we were a little bit lucky to win it. And I, and I remember game two, we're up 7-1 going into the third. And they scored two quick goals to make it 7-3. And I thought, look, and I'm going to put things aside here. I, 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 I get the respect factor where you don't call timeouts when you're blowing a team out. This wasn't the case in my opinion. I could care less what people thought. Because right. I didn't like where, how our team was thinking. This and is, I thought, there's too, much, there's too much time on the clock to go. There's 14, 15 minutes to go in the period, and we've just given up two goals because we're not focused. We think yeah. this game's over. So I called the timeout, and when I called the timeout, I make sure to put my back because the, the benches are together, and the glass is, is the partition between. So I put my back to the other team, so I'm speaking outwards to the, my team and they can't really hear me as I'm projecting out. So I'm looking at all the players on the bench and I'm, I'm yelling at them because there's music playing, which is one of the annoying things that happens when you call a timeout. <laughs> and I'm yelling to the players and not one of them's looking at me. They're all looking over my head and I'm thinking, what the hell are they doing? So I look over my shoulder at, at the, behind me and here's Michelle Terrian. He's climbed up over the glass and he's just going nutty and he's he's just losing it and I'm thinking to myself I didn't say a word to him I thought I only got 30 seconds so I'm wasting my time on you right I gotta talk to these guys so I'm trying to get us back you know and he was losing it but the interesting thing was he made that a pivotal point of the series that was his rallying point so we won that game at home then we went for two games there and I remember we beat them in the, uh, in the game three. And, and I, I will never forget this. And I think I spoke, I can't remember if I spoke with this at Darren Hadar saying, but I remember it like it was yesterday. They, they were up, we were up 2-1 and they were hard matching us, which means that as I was putting out my top line of Gamash, uh, Fiddler and Hadar, he was matching that line he had last changed, so he was matching his checkers, his top checkers against them, but his better players were on the bench. So, so he was hard matching pretty much the whole game. And even with seven minutes to go, I said to Todd Richards, I said, I can't, he's down 2 1. He's going to have to let go of this match. Because if I keep playing Fiddler and those guys, which is my best line, he's putting out his checkers. And I thought, He's got to let this go. There's seven minutes to go. So he's hard matching all the way till then. And I had never, every stoppage of play and whistle, I had never, I would never, I would start with Fiddler's line. And then he'd put out his checker. So in essence, I was controlling his bench. Right. So his best players, well, they weren't playing. And I could, I would look over and I could see him. They were just smoking. And I thought, well, it's your coach. Great like for he, us. He wants to hard match. Yeah, he wants to hard match. So fine. And they weren't happy. There was no rhythm to their game. Our guys knew what was going on. So every whistle I'd put out Fiddler, Gamash, and Hadar, and he'd put out his guys, and especially neutral zone because they were near the benches. So he would put out his checking line, and I would just – I'd tell him, go out, get the puck deep, get the change, and I would throw the next line so I'd get my players out there. Now he's back in his zone with his checking line, but Fiddler's line's not there. They come, they come off. So it was just unreal. Then they got a power play. They got, we got a penalty with seven minutes to go, 
and they scored to make it 2-2, and it went into overtime. And I'll never forget, the play came to the slot with uh, Hadar, and he must have had two, three guys on him hacking, whacking, and he just barreled through. And, he, and Darren's not a big guy. No. He just willed his way through, fired it, and scored the overtime winner. The next game, it was unreal. I thought I was coaching an NHL team. Our players were so good. And I remember going into the locker room before the game, and, you know, I mean, you try to motivate, but really you're, you're going to motivate, you know. And I thought, you know, we had a couple players, and Tony Herkus, uh, who was living in, well, who had a house, I think, in Milwaukee at some point, but he was living in Florida, and his family was in Florida, I believe, with the girls who were in school. And we had Wade Flaherty, his wife was out in Vancouver. And so we had two or three guys that we wanted that – didn't have their families there. And I, and I remember telling the players, I said, we need to make sure we close this out. That's the tough. This is going to be the toughest game. And we need to send these guys home. These guys have got families. They made sacrifices along with their families so that we can play and we can play a fourth game. We don't want to be getting into playing any more than that. We need to make sure we buckle down and we send our players back home to their families and we end this thing. And we came out just storming. And I thought, oh, gee, we got out quickly to a lead. It was 5 nothing, 5-1 maybe. We ended up winning, I think, 7-1 or something or whatever it ended up being. But it, it, we, were, we, were, we were playing against a very demoralized team, and it showed. And we, were, we had our A game, and they didn't have theirs. Joining uh, us now. From his home in Langley, British Columbia, is Brandon Siegel. Brandon, it's good to see you. It's good to talk to you. We had that epic uh, series against Chicago, which was uh, – that was probably, what I think, one of the best series I've ever been a part of. Um, each game was so close, and they had a stacked team, too, and they were more of a, a veteran team. And uh, that was like knock, knock down, drag them out series. And I remember um, – when Darcy scored, I was on the ice when Darcy scored in uh, double overtime there. Yeah. And I just remember like, chasing him down and throwing him against the glass, and it was just – it was unbelievable. I was kind of just told the story quickly about uh, Darcy and how uh, – when I was at camp. So this is before I got sent back to, to Calgary, and I was his roommate. And I was nervous. You know, Darcy was probably 20, 28 maybe at the time. And, 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 and he's, only- he's, he's not a real – like, he's a nice guy, but he's not a come slap you on the back. Hey, Siegs, nice to meet you. How you doing, bro, type of guy. Exactly, yeah. So, he, you know, it is our first time in the in the hotel. We're staying at, um, oh, geez, I uh, can't remember the hotel in Milwaukee there that we always stayed at. But anyways, I, I'm his roommate, and, you know, Darcy was an older guy. I think he was married. He had just had a kid, so he – wanted to get some sleep and he turns off the TV at, you know, not at night. In fact, then, in, you know, when I was 20, I didn't have any, you know, my cell phone didn't have any internet or anything like that. So <laughs> I, I remember the sun was still out and he's sleeping and I, like he turned off the TV and I'm just a rookie. So I just sat there and staring at the wall until, <laughs> you know, midnight, one o'clock, just, Oh, am I going to fall asleep here? Like I was just debating just like going to get some food or uh, that's funny. <laughs> that's awesome. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> that's, know your role. Uh, yeah, no, you exactly. Yeah, and, no, yeah. 
Absolutely. I hope you remembered that when you were a veteran and you had a rookie for a, a roommate that you weren't turning the TV off at nine o'clock at night. No, no, no. I keep them up. You know, we want to talk. I'm, you know, that's, I was the, I'm a, I'm a team player. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Let's, uh, let's go back to that Chicago series. Um, and another overtime goal that happened in that game, maybe the most famous goal, one of the most famous goals in Admiral's history is Tony Herkus's goal in double overtime of game number one, where he just bats the puck out of the air. Where were you when, when that, do you remember the play and where were you when it happened? Did you realize what was happening when it, when it went down? Yeah. You know, what's funny. This is a good story. I, uh, I didn't play that first game. So I was in the stand. So I got a pretty good view of it. Right. And uh, the funny thing is I was sitting with uh, a few of the guys who weren't playing that, that night and some of the wise were all sitting together. So what we did is we all picked a player for overtime and we all threw a buck in. <laughs> he was going to score the overtime goal. And then it was, uh, I think it was Fizz's wife that won, won the pot. <laughs> so Fizz's wife doesn't even pick Fizz. She picks uh, her. <laughs> I remember that. I picked Fizz oh, first. Oh, you got overall. it first. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Fizz even had a shift. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. That's good stuff. So you yeah. saw the whole thing happen. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. I mean, Kirkus, like, he was 38 at the time, and he was probably the best player on the ace easily. And, uh, and, just they talk about hockey sense. You th- people, oh. they, they throw that term hockey sense around, right? And, and, yeah. and to me, I, I've been following Tony for 35 years back when he was in college. And to me, Tony Herkus is the epitome of hockey sense. Absolutely, without a doubt. And he was, he was great for our team too. And he, he honestly calmed everything down. And he, he would just he – wouldn't, he wouldn't warm up or do anything. He'd just sit in his stall and – and have a coffee, and he would come out actually and play some uh, two-touch with us, but uh, he was awesome, and talk about hockey sense, that, that team was full of hockey sense, we had the guys on our team, Darren Hader, and Herkus, and you know, Hutchie on the back end, and Murphy, and Tylee, and oh, you name it, even, even Wade Flaherty in that. I was going to say, can a, goalie, can a goalie have hockey sense, because you got Wade Flaherty, that would seem to be the guy. He Honestly, he was he was incredible. He, to me, he was our best player. I, I thought he was just—he was amazing. Um, and what a guy too. Um, you know, he was, and that was that was a great thing for me coming in as a twenty-year-old. I got to I got to learn from these guys. You know, these older veteran guys. It's not like that anymore. You know, it's with the veteran rule there, and you know the league is just getting younger. It's just the way it is. But uh, I I love coming in and you know, and soaking up everything from those older guys that I could. We're joined by the latest member of the Milwaukee Admirals to have his number retired by the team, number 20, Darren Hadar. Uh, we had great leadership uh, in the second year. We, you know, we added Curtis Murphy. We added a couple guys who had won within the league. And not, not that they did anything differently, but you just see that it calmed and made everyone comfortable uh, obviously, between between the pipes, we had Wade Flaherty, mm-hmm. an older guy, and that just sets the tone for the team. Then you add on, you know, you add on Tony Herkus and you know Brad Tiley, Ray Schultz, and those type of guys that you know Matthew Darsh, just 
calming influences within the room. It wasn't, um, even, even if you want to look at our black aces that year, we had uh, Matt Hendricks come in and yeah. we had, our team was so deep that we, any given night, I'd, you know, ride us. We had guys who could fight. We had guys who could score. Scorers or mm-hmm. possession type players. We had every single avenue. If teams wanted to play us a certain way, we could play them back that way, that way or, yeah. or counter it with, with our way of playing. We had guys who had won at the NCAA level, sure. at the junior level. It to me, it's no wonder that we had guys who had been on deep runs before. It wasn't, it wasn't where we had. When I say big time prospects, where guys came in looking out for themselves, because I find that is is also a big. When I say problem, it, it's the American League. Let's be honest. Everyone's trying to get to the Nobody NHL. Nobody wants to right. be here, right? If 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 one person strays from the the you know the the plan the plan you know you, they're looking out for themselves that year everybody was happy coming to the rink everybody had a great time we you know we, everybody went out to for dinner together everybody did everything uh as a team and at at the American League level especially that's half the battle is it, getting everybody to buy in as a team rather than how can I get myself to the to the next level right i remember being you know at faceoffs i'd be lining up and i'm trying to think of what the what the saying was, but Flatsy would be, he would just set everyone at ease. You'd, you'd skate into the circle or he would call me over right before a face-off and he would have a joke for me right before a face-off. And right. that just in your own zone. In our own zone. And how many goalies do that? Goalies are different. So, you know, for him to be able to play, when I say that loose, to be able to, you know, recognize when the team needed a joke or a, a calming down, he was, he was there and, Goalies have that impact on a game, and whether they want to or not, whether they want to or not, and they they set the tone for the rest of the team. And he was one that always knew what buttons to push, and uh, obviously with with his experiences was able to lend that to the rest of the team and help us along the way. You know what? It's it's what you work for. Yeah. It's June at this point. Guys are tired, but for whatever reason, our team got stronger as we kept playing that year, and. Uh, you know, to to be able to at the end of the day, you know, raise the trophy, drink out of the trophy with the everyone in the locker room. My parents came in the locker room after that game, and uh, I had some buddies drive down from home, and to be able to share in that, and after you know, close to 100 games that year, it's it's special, and it's it's a feeling that once you win once, you want more. Yeah, and you know, guys who have never won before, I don't think they get it. Mike wow. Wojciechowski is, uh, he's had every job for the Admirals. I think I'm going to quit while I'm ahead. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Just walk out Holy right now. Cow. But Wojo, Wojo joins us uh, on this. I want your version of the story that I think Charlie has told on this podcast in the past, but I want your version of the story of when the Admirals won the Calder Cup in Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, and how you guys got there, why you got all of that stuff, because there wasn't a heck of a lot of money in the budget there for was, a lot of people to travel. There I, 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 no I, money. So, I, so are you talking about Operation Hockey Guts? It must be, <laughs> no, that no, must no, be what it that, is. But I, I mean, we had won game three in overtime in Wilkes-Barre, and we had planned to go the next day. I think yes. that was a Friday night. Yeah, and, 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 and Phil. Had you gone, had they lost? Oh, yeah, we would have yeah, we, we gone. Because no there was going to be two more. I mean, two, we, we, four, we, and yeah, five we, were yeah, in, so, in Pennsylvania. So, um, so yeah, what happened was is um, – Phil actually was speaking to the uh, to the uh, 
uh, was it a Gary, rotary? Gary, no, no, Gary Howard. It was a panel. Yeah, a panel, a panel discussion for Gary Howard's. Uh, it was a uh, who's the sports editor? At he the, was the, the editor at, for at, yeah, the, yeah, at the Journal Sentinel. Yeah. I believe it was a national conference of, of I believe it was uh, female sports writers. And Phil Here was, in Milwaukee. Yeah, and Phil was on the panel at the Hyatt. Okay. And uh, and uh, he had left to go with the team for the Friday night, so he said, "What well, would you fill in in the panel?" Which so, is Saturday morning. Saturday morning. So, okay. So, um, Charlie, I think, was nice enough to go get the van or and, and, and that we, we rented. We rented a 15-passenger van. And, and I, they were just waiting for me to cut down at the Hyatt. As soon as I got done from the Hyatt, we tore over, grabbed it, and then we're, and we're driving down the uh, – uh, And Woj uh, is driving. In this 15-passenger van. 15-passenger van. And we're staying somewhere in uh, the outskirts. I think we were just going to drive as far as we could. I, I know. We had, we had rooms, I think. We had, when we had, is we had, the game? Is we? the game Saturday Sunday, or Sunday? Sunday. Sunday. Afternoon. Okay, so you're So we driving. don't need to get there, and we don't get to Wilkes-Barre that night. First of all, let me say – I apologize for hijacking your story here, but you weren't going to say this. I will. Woj is driving like 100 miles an hour. <laughs> this is no joke. We get pulled over by some Polish cop. But the funniest part about it is <laughs> who, who Woj tries to butter up. and Calling uh, him brother and everything. We're both uh, Polish, no, right? Yeah, the the homeland, good. whatever. We're somewhere, no, we're, some, we're somewhere in the Poconos, and we're going up and down, and we're just flying. I'm, right? I'm looking. I'm, I'm looking at uh, Al, Al Rebeck. Uh, Tr- yeah, Trish, Trish Rebeck's dad. Yeah, Trish Rebeck's dad. Or, yeah, Trish Barnholz's dad is is right behind. Is, is in the seat right behind me, and he's. I could see him looking at the speedometer, and he has this blank look on his face, and his mouth is all like, "Holy!" God. And this is on this is on Sunday morning because we left, and we, we all you know because we, we got to this hotel somewhere in in, in that wasn't on Saturday. Saturday okay, Saturday well, night. No, Saturday night. Okay. Um, we were listening. We're gonna have to rewind. We, we, we were listening to the uh, Kentucky Derby on the radio with Smarty. Uh, so, come on. Who, who, who's, oh, look up right there. It's who's, in the, who's, uh, who's the horse? Yeah, look, it's, yeah. Uh, it's right up in the yeah, room. Yeah, who, 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 who did not win the, who did not win the, uh, the or, triple crown? Yeah, but who didn't win the triple crown? But won the uh, Kentucky Derby. Um, and, but then we get a phone call from uh, from Claude Noel. Yeah. That says, hey, by the way, I mean, we, we're not the you know, organization isn't blessed with a lot of money, and if we're gonna, you know, if we if we happen to get lucky and win tomorrow. What, what are we going to use? What are for we going to do for champagne? Because we're not going to we're not going to spend sixty bucks a bottle right. through the building, the building to pour it over people's heads. So if we so stop- this is Saturday also because and that's important because Sunday is dry. Yeah, no In liquor Pennsylvania, sales. Pennsylvania, yeah, yeah. you cannot buy alcohol. Yeah. So we pull over to um, to a liquor store and we bought them out of out of uh, Asti Spumanti. Yeah, uh, you have two dollar and ten cents or two dollar sure. nineteen cent champagne. We stopped at a Walgreens that they had. They served. They had. They had dollar twenty nine champagne there, <laughs> and we got as many. We bought as much as champagne as we could everywhere. We ended up with sixty bottles of champagne. Wow! Put it into a giant hockey bag, and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and it's and, amazing and, and, how much of your life has revolved around hockey bags and, in the last thirty seven years. And, and we and we and, and of course us being a little bit um, superstitious, we take the hockey bag and put it in my bathtub and ice it down. We don't put the hockey bag in. We just put the champagne. Yeah, pour it out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And then, uh, and then we had a, a, a sizable lead after two periods. So we go. But that's uh, that's on Saturday. We do this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 or no, it's, excuse me. Sunday when we get to the hotel. Yes. Right. We, yeah. We, we go to the game. The champagne stays in the hotel. We're up seven five to two or six to two. Yeah, something like that. And me, you, and John W. Bitter go back, and uh, and go get the. Uh, and, and go get the uh, and, load and, it up. And what we called Operation Hockey Gods. Yes. So we come in the back door, and the and the guy stops us and says, uh, "What do you got there?" We said, uh, uh, yeah. "Yeah." And he goes, "Congratulations." I said, "We haven't won yet." He goes, 
and just as you said it, we scored again to make it seven. I think it yeah, was I at think that you're point. Right. And uh, so we, we continued on to the locker room and, and put the champagne in the room. When I think of Greg Clausen, not only that, but I also think of consistency. One of the most consistent performers for the Milwaukee Admirals. And lo and behold, we were able to track him down, and, and here he is to join us, Greg Clausen. You, you just get a sense when you're, you're winning games repeatedly or, like, you, you never lose more than a couple in a row. You start to – you just gain this confidence where you, where you think we can, we can beat any team in this league. And I think with the, with the players we had there, it was almost, almost the perfect mix for a championship team we had. We had guys who could calm the team down when needed to, and we had young guys with energy, and we had just players who, who showed up. And I think as the season wore on, you kind of gain that confidence. And I, I think uh, a big thing for us was Chicago Wolves getting through them. I remember I never liked playing there for a few years, but I remember the owner of Milwaukee Tools came in our room. I think it was yeah. that year. Yes. And he offered I still up have that. And he off this was second round. He offered up this incentive that if we beat the Wolves, he's going to give us a, like power tools, Milwaukee power tools, like legit. You, like really, you got your choice between a Milwaukee uh, sawzall or a, yeah. or a or, a, or a, drill. Uh, a drill. Yeah. Yeah. And I got both because one of the players didn't want it, so I took both. I got and I gave it to my dad. He used it for years. The sawzall. He loved. He's like, I love that Milwaukee tool. You know. So. <laughs> and so we obviously yes. Yeah, so the story goes, we beat them in six games. We got these tools and. Uh, I don't know. I just think we got to the point where we felt we could beat any team in the league, and that's that's what you need. And, and obviously, you need bounces, you need goaltending, you need all that stuff. But a lot of it is the mental part, and we just got to the point where uh, we felt comfortable with each other and felt comfortable winning games. Well, it's, it's it was kind of nice to be in that position, being up for sure. Seven, seven one, I think, or seven two was the final score. Yeah. And so you actually have a little bit more time to enjoy it. If you're going down to the wire, a one goal game or in game seven or something like I was in a game seven in, in Germany in the DL. And it was, that was, that's a whole different story, but yeah, being up seven to one, seven to two, whatever it was, you, you can enjoy it for the last couple of minutes and you kind of, yeah, I mean, you're just nudging your teammates and you're saying, this is, this is really happening. You know, we, we've done it. It's a, it's a long playoffs, four rounds, best of sevens. And, and to actually know you're going to accomplish the feat, it's, yeah, you're, you don't mind the, if the clock runs slow at that point. The captain of the Milwaukee Admirals, a Calder Cup champion with the Milwaukee Admirals, and went on to become a really solid defenseman in the NHL and one of the best shot blockers that the NHL had uh, in his career in the National Hockey League. He's a former Admiral Greg Zanin. I mean, that last game, God, I, I can't remember the exact – I think it was like seven – Three, seven, seven, four, seven, seven, two, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and I think by we are, I remember we already had our hats on the bench and, you know, it was kind of, we knew it was over really before the game was even close to being over. And, you know, I think we were doing a lot of celebrating in between when we were off on our shifts and, uh, but it was definitely, I think, you know, being a rookie winning it your first year, you, your dreams. I mean, obviously it's not the Stanley cup, but, it's the next closest thing and it's the heart. It, it's, it's no easier to win than the Stanley cup. So you think to yourself, Holy to get it in my first year is amazing. I mean, I had won a couple, you know, tournaments and stuff like that as a kid being, you know, 14, 15 years old, but never nothing on that scale. Um, and it's just, you, you just, the overcome of joy 
for the work that you put in to win something like that is amazing. And, um, you know, you, you win it, you think about it and then it sinks in and then you, you know, you got to think to yourself, when's going to be, when is my next opportunity going to be? And you just never know. He's been here 50 seasons, but uh, he's, 40, he's, is it 48? <laughs> <laughs> what does it say? Admiral's trainer, Doug Agnew joining us. Played a game in Houston. Um, you know, and after the game, I was talking to their trainer, Larry Mines, uh, at the time. and Former trainer for the uh, Houston Oilers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And So, yeah, so he's, he's working the hockey down there, and he says, you know, you guys got a really good team. And I looked at Paul, and he says, do we? <laughs> <laughs> because you're so caught up in the day-to-day, oh, oh, right? Yeah, you're just grinding along. Yeah, you know, yeah, we win a few games. And he, and he says, no, you guys are pretty well, well-rounded. well You guys really got a chance to go far this year. And, and uh, they're, the, they're the defending Calder Cup champions. They were, yeah. yeah. At, at that time. Yeah, so I guess he saw some similarities to their team that had won it. And, and us, I said, oh. So that was, that was in March, and I started paying attention a little more then. And said, yeah, we do have a pretty good team, but <laughs> who knows? Yeah, you're caught up in other things. Like, you know, we got – so again, characters on that team, like the Upshaws, the Tutus, and yep. you know, crazy. But this guys. time it's the young guys. It's yeah. not the older guys. It's the young guys <laughs> yeah. who were the yeah. They're oh again, just who were comfortable enough to yeah. be themselves. Yeah, let's say. Yeah, they were fun. Yeah, they're <laughs> a fun bunch. But yeah, then it was, um, you know, once the playoffs started, I think um, you know, F- uh, Finley and Flaherty were our two goalies. Yeah. You know, they thought that, uh, you know, Brian Finley was going to carry us along there, but, you know, he started floundering near the end of the season, so they put flats in there. And I think Finley started game one of the playoffs and mm. and wasn't – Flaherty did, started game one. Oh, did he? Yeah. Uh, and I think he started – we had to win, I think, our last game of the year to secure home ice. Oh. And mm. it, was a, it was close. It was a struggle. Uh, I think we beat Chicago three to one or four to one or something yeah. like that to, at the at the end of the year to secure home ice and the number one seed uh, mm. the whole way through. Yeah, was, but then we play Cincinnati in the first round and we go down three to one. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, yeah, it was that was tough. Yeah, tough. And then that's when I think Flats went in and kind of calmed everybody down. I remember there was a play we were playing um, Chicago in the second round, and. You know, Brad Tiley comes up behind our net and throws one right up the middle onto their stick, and it's in, you know, it's in our net. And, you know, Tiles feels like just, you know, lowered and low. And, you know, you hear Flat skate around, you know, comes to the bench and says, that one kind of got away from you, eh, old-timer? And, <laughs> and, and to see Brad Tiley just start to laugh and uh, loosen them right up. So when you win the championship, what is that like? Oh, it was uh, on the ice did in you think about did yeah. you think about what you're gonna do right because we're up it's pretty clear especially late game we're gonna we're, win this one we're yeah. winning this yeah what it's going through your head are you thinking like okay I'm running on the ice who am I touching grabbing first am I gonna high five guys am I gonna rip my shirt off and throw in the stands what are you gonna do yeah how hard is it to focus on yeah, Ten right. more minutes of hockey. <laughs> right. oh, what happens well, if uh, a guy goes down? Yeah, You're not exactly. even paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were paying attention, and that's that, that's is interesting because you. You know, you go through a long playoff run like that, and and you're pretty much just exhausted. Like you're, yes. you're going and you're going. There, there's nothing that you, you know, there's no saying, "Yeah, I'm tired. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not coming into today, or I'm not going to give my all today." Um, so you just you're you're not your nose is to the grindstone the whole six weeks you're going through this, and 
you know, down as that clock was ticking down, you're going just like, oh my God, we made it, you know. This is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we made it. it you the know, finish line. Yeah, yeah, and it, it was exciting. But you know, your your co- your closest comrades on the bench, you know, Paul and the coaches, and you know, you, you shake their hands, give them a hug, you know, a few tears of joy, and then you know, the players are out there jumping around. Last thing you want to do is go out there and jump around with the with you know, the, 20 with guys the with, with, right, with a guy, razor yeah. blades on their feet. It, yeah. exactly. Mike Farrell was a <laughs> humongous guy, oh, you know, although he was hurt in the finals. But, uh, like, oh. uh, you know, some or Ray Schultz, yeah. right? Like, yeah. big guy on skates, in yeah. pads. Yeah. You don't Jumping need to around. be no, dealing you don't with need that to, yeah. on yeah. the bottom of the pile. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of wait for that to disperse, and then you go a few hugs, and, then, you know, then you know, you go into the locker room and, Geez, what a mess that makes. Oh, yes. my. My, oh, my. You just, you know, you, you walk around in a quarter inch of beer and champagne on the floor. Right. And, you never know what, uh, someone's dousing you this yeah. way. You turn around, someone's oh, dousing you that was, way. Yeah, it was Does fun. it burn? Does oh, it, yeah. It did burn the eyes. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the goggles yeah. that they wear out now is but a again, good idea. But again, your job's not done because now you got to pick up all that, that <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, booze-soaked equipment and stuff it in a bag and somehow get it all back to Milwaukee. I, I, I was going to say, do because you, you have to spend the night. There's no flight back yeah. right no, away. No, we had a party like at so a uh, – Do you have to um, – do you have to wash the? Do you like? Do you have to go to the Wilkesbury laundry room and say, "Hey guys, can we use your washers tonight?" Or, <laughs> no, or you just we, packed it up. We packed it all up. So get yeah. out of here. Oh. Let's just go. Yeah, let's we just had go. to. I, I re- distinctly remember a, a representative from the uh, Hall of Fame, Isaac Westgate, was the guy's name. Come into our locker room afterwards and say, "Okay, hey, I'd like to uh, Wade Flaherty's stick, Darren Hadar's jersey, and something else." It was three things, yeah. and because we're taking him back to the Hall of Fame, and I'm like, I, I, I remember surveying it. Yeah. Thinking to myself, how am I supposed to find this stuff, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. just junk everywhere. Yeah. Like, have a have a champagne or yeah. something, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> let it go. We'll send it to you when we get home. Let's yeah, go. yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. Again, so again, that's part of it. Like, the job is still to be done. You had to get all that stuff back, and you know, I think we, um, I think on the way back. You know, they put the stuff in the equipment truck, and they had to fly. We fly out of Newark or somewhere. We flew out of Newark, yeah. Yeah, and halfway to Newark, the truck gets a flat tire. Oh, is that right? Yeah, so I never knew this. No, yeah, so this. we had to. So Paul calls me back. And he calls me on the bus and says, "Well, the truck broke down. We're you know, at mile marker, whatever it was." He says, "says Okay, we'll pull over in the bus and we'll throw all the gear from the truck into the bus." And you know, that's what we did. The side of the highway, we're chucking <laughs> really? a bunch of hungover hockey players and that's others. crazy. We're unloading this, this equipment truck and we're throwing it into the bottom of the bus and. Yeah, I had the way to, to celebrate, huh? Oh I, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, no yeah. idea, because yeah. then. We, the front office staff, we, we, we drove back, a 15-passenger yeah. van, to meet you guys at the airport, pull in almost exactly the same time as you yeah. guys flew in, yeah. and there was a lot of fans there. A lot of people, A lot yeah. of fans. That, for yeah. the lowest attendance that the Admirals have had since, lowest average attendance that the Admirals ever had since Wilson Park year. Mm-hmm. And to have that many people at the airport... Uh, that was that was awesome. Yeah. That was that was really neat. Yeah, that it was, was surprising. Yeah, yeah. And I remember um, uh, Smitty had the the trophy and he was carrying it over his head. He he hugged that trophy like it was a teddy bear close to him for like two weeks. I don't think he ever put that thing down. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Admiral's great, uh, Tony Herkus. Tony, thanks so much for doing this. Oh, this is great to be here. I finished 03 in Atlanta, and uh, again, still waiting for. A contract. So waiting for the NHL to yeah. call, and I guess everybody lost my number, and uh, <laughs> I didn't get a call. And uh, I know Poyle called me during the year, uh, uh, Mr. Poyle from the Ad, uh, Predators, yeah. uh, 
just see what I was doing, and and uh, I just said, you know, I'm still waiting for an NHL deal. He said, okay, and and uh, so I kept waiting, waiting, and again, no call. And so it was around Halloween uh, that I called uh, Mr. Poyle and and said I'd love to come play for the Admirals, and and that was that's all pretty much I got here again. Well, and I know it, it changed a lot. I know Phil went down the hall. Wojo tells the story that Phil said. We got a game changer coming, and right. and all of this. Is back. And uh, and all you did was help the team win a championship. Yeah, well, again, that, that was one of the funnest teams I've ever been on uh, in my pro career. Uh, just we had a bunch of personalities, some you know guys that are funny that kind of got the room going, and and uh, everybody got along. You know, a lot of teams sometimes there's clicks here and there, and you try to stay away from that, but. Everybody got along. Everybody did things together, and mm-hmm. uh, it, w- it was a lot of fun. It was uh, a lot of younger, longer guy, younger guys, and you know they make fun of us older guys, and right. you know it was all all in good taste and and uh, a lot of good fun. And and uh, and again, we we came together as a team. I think we um, we were kind of average through the December, and then we were kind of I think we went on a 17, three and one run or something like that in January, February, and. Yeah, and we thought we had something good going had here. Something so special, yeah. Le- led by yeah. two old guys, right? Well, you and Wade Flair. Yeah, and you could throw Brad Tiley in there Brad too. Tiley, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he was a little, a couple was, years younger than I am, but uh, yeah. but yeah. So uh, and the, again, the young guys, we had some youth on our on our uh, team. Again, Hadar and Gamash and Gamash. Fiddler and yeah. Wyatt Smith and Hutchinson, and so we had guys that. That you know wanted, to, were trying to prove themselves and to get the NHL, and uh, everybody played hard. What do you remember about winning the, that night? That what is it, oh, seven to yeah. seven to two, seven yeah. to two in yeah. Wilkes-Barre? It was. I we came out. I know the day before, um, we had a, we went and practice. I think Wilkes-Barre had a day off, and we were kind of going, well, why shouldn't they really have a day off? Trying to win the Calder a Cup, Calder you know, Cup, right? The players and were thinking that we were kind of like, yeah, a little bit. Let's you know, get to work. Let's yeah, let's get to work. And so, you know, we wanted to practice, and uh, then we we came out flying. I think we scored a few goals in the first period. Soon, yeah, yeah really quick. And then you just saw them deflate. Yeah. And then so it was, you know, obviously you had to play the rest of the game, but it was kind of over the first period. Yeah. And. Uh, and then I think we came in with a six or seven one lead after the two. After two, sure. And. Uh, I think 10 minutes left, I told Phil I don't want to play anymore. I just want to watch. And, and <laughs> take it all take in. Take it all in. It was, it was a lot of fun watching young young guys, you know, enjoy, play hard, and and, uh, and win, the, win the Calder Cup. It was, it was a fantastic year. That, that playoff run that we had that year, you scored one of the goals that is one of the iconic goals still in, in every yep, Still in the video everywhere. Uh, it's against Chicago. Yeah. I think it's game two. Game no, it's game one against Chicago. Kari Lettinen, yeah. who is, I believe, I don't know, is is Lettinen still playing? I, I think he's just done. Just he done. Just, yeah. Or he he's a, in Europe. He was a first round pick. Very yeah. good goalie. Really good goalie. Had a great NHL career. Yeah. And we're de- we basically are much better than Chicago, except yeah. Kari Lettinen is there. And for sure. Double overtime. Puck gets. Yeah. It's a shot from the left side. You're on the right post. Yeah. You're the only person who sees it. Yeah. Do you want to yeah, do that? Yeah. It was it was kind of slow motion for me. Uh, I saw the shot, and I saw the puck in the air, and I I kind of looked around for a second, and saw nobody was even the ref was kind he, of looking right, for Lettinen it. Lettinen is still he he's squared he's, up over. He squared up kind of to top the right of his side, crease, yeah. 
And I and I didn't move. It just puck just came perfectly right to me, and I hit it out of the air. And again, nobody knew where it was until it was in the back of the net. You hit it out of the air. A couple of things for me are <laughs> remarkable about that play. One that you just hit it out of the air, right? Like that's waist high, yeah. Right. And number two that you didn't high stick it in. Right. right? Yeah. Well, that's the, I'm sure that's the temptation. You, you know what? Wait. And I thought about that again. It was really weird because it, it was slow motion for me. I don't know why, but I, I thought went through my head. Don't wait till it comes down right. a little bit further. Yeah. Don't don't raise your stick. Yep. <laughs> and I tried not to bring attention to myself where I, right, I was looking for it. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of waited and waited and, and nobody saw it until it came down. So. And there it was. It didn't. <laughs> Mr. Admiral Phil Whitliff is our guest here uh, this week. One of the key conversations was to bring in Tony Herkus. Yeah, in November, I think. Yeah, we brought, they brought in Tony Herkus. And uh, and that's what you pushed for. Yeah, yeah, and he was key. He was a key. Because he had been coming out the year before. He had been maybe in Florida or something like that in the National yeah, League. Yeah, uh, was he in Florida? He was uh, He was an Atlanta player for a while. I was going to say Atlanta. you get 14 teams there, 13 yeah. teams to is choose that who, from. Did he play yes. for that many? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Won a cup with Dallas. Now he's scouting, isn't he? Living in Madison, he's scouting, scouting for, for Tampa. Tampa Bay. For so Tampa. did you approach Ray Shiro and say, Ray, like Tony's not playing, he can help us? I, I it was Something a conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, they knew how much I liked Tony Herkus as a player. He's just a, a great skilled player. Yeah, and a good man. Yeah, and a good team guy. Yeah. Well, Samogamash <laughs> joins us now. There in Adar and I, when I was playing with the Wolves, I, I offered him to to fight with me, you know, because he was a little guy, I was a little the other <laughs> little, little player. He was good. He, he was really good on on um, on his team at that time. I wasn't really good with the Wolves at the time because I didn't play a lot. But then, yeah, and then but then all of a sudden I start playing well. So we we kind of were the two of the best players in each team. Anyway, so I got traded, but but the group welcomed me on the. That was unbelievable. I remember that day. It was a Christmas party for them. So imagine I step in, you know, French, Canadian, first of all, the enemy. But then everybody welcomed me. Uh, really special. It starts with your coach, I think, uh, your staffing coach. Let's not forget Todd Richard as well. He was pretty good uh, with our team. Good. Uh, I think it's uh, how he he makes everyone thinks about the year in uh also, what's your goal as a player, as a group, you know, the, putting the, the, the title uh, number one. So for me, it started there, but, but so much easier when everyone gets along and then you spend uh, so much time together, like you said, at the Blatt. Uh, you know, it's just uh, it's a chicken soup. You had some ingredients, and then uh, at the end of the year, like, uh, we won. So we're the champs. Longtime NHL player, now an assistant with the Kelowna Rockets, Vern Fiddler. Milwaukee was, uh, you know, it was an easy, t easy place to go for beers and, you know, go for wings. And, you know, as a young, as young kids, you, you, you know, you're now you're making a little bit of money. So you're, you know, we're out for beers during taking the Taking advantage of it. Yeah. Yeah. We're taking advantage of it, but we, we all had never lived on our own. We're all coming from, you know, junior or college where it was, you know, everything was strict and, but now all of a sudden we got a little bit of freedom and we get playing cards in the afternoon and then, you know, our practice might get, you know, a little bit uh, out of balance the next day where we start to get in shit. So, you know, those older guys, like I said, they did a great job, you know, reeling us in and, 
teaching us that, you know, there's going to be times where we're going to have fun, but then there's going to be times where we really got to go to work. And, um, you know, we learned, we learned the hard way a couple of times with, with, uh, coach Noel, but, uh, you know, lessons learned and we, we got better from it and move forward from it. Before, before uh, Charlie, I'm sorry to interrupt, but before Charlie talks, uh, one of those leaders that was the captain, Ray Schultz, and we've talked so much about other people on that team, but I've never, I've never asked specifically about Ray Schultz. What kind of a leader was Ray Schultz? You know, he was an unreal leader. He, uh, you know, he, he had, he had played in the NHL a little bit and, you know, he's a really rough, rugged D man that was really well respected in our room. And, um, I remember one time he called, I think it was, I want to say it was like Matthew Darsh or maybe Greg Keeler. He, he just, uh, the room was quiet before a game. And one of those two guys was on a huge slump. And I remember him, you know, he said, Hey, to one of the two guys, I said, like, Hey, are you ever going to score another goal? <laughs> and I remember being like, well, that was pretty rude. You know, like, <laughs> right. why would he, why would he, <laughs> what, what a dick. But, but then as I got older, I understood what he was doing and he was being a leader. He was challenging that, that I think it was Matthew Darsh. I, he was challenging him. Like, you know what? Need you like to score goals. Like let's go. But as a leader, it's sometimes you, 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 you can't always be comfortable. You kind of have to be that guy. And he was that guy. He was a guy that would challenge us off the ice. He was a guy that would, you know, compete like a bastard in practice and, and make everybody better. And, and, you know, he didn't always have a whole bunch to say, but he was a guy that it really had a good grasp on our team and was a, was a little bit older than everybody. So he was a great guy that everybody leaned on. And, when when he said something, everybody listened. You think about that team now, about the the depth we had in the middle was crazy. I mean, we were we we could shut teams down. We could we you know we'd score on the on the penalty kill. We, you know they we we they, they with Wyatt Smith and Tony Herkus. I was always checking. I was always going against. I was with Gamash and Hadar, but they could hide us against away from those two the top two lines because they would have to play against Tony and, and uh, Wyatt. And then yeah. you have Greg Klassen in the mix too. So like it, whatever way you, you, you tried to match up against us, Claude would find a way to get, you know, offense out of it because if it wasn't us scoring, it was Wyatt's line or it was uh, Herc's line. So it was like, there was, we had so many weapons that, you know, it was tough to contain us. And, you know, as the playoffs went along, you know, the first, the first series was a challenge. Like we went to seven and then the next series was six games. And then we just got better and better as it went on. It went seven, six, five, four. And, you know, we just found our, our, to elevate our game higher and higher as it went on. And we, we were a tough team to play against. We got into that groove right at the end of the year. And, um, you know, that was, it was just such a fun time. And then obviously Wade Flaherty and Matt, that's, a veteran goalie that you know makes the big saves when you need them. It was just such a special team, and you know Greg Zanin on on the back end blocked shots with his teeth, and we just <laughs> there's just so many components of that team that you know, and uh, it was just such a fun year, and just such it was it, it was such a, a pivotal point in my career because we they taught us how to win, and you know we were scared going into it, but those older guys be like, we got this, like they taught us how to be in big games and, you know, check our guts. And, you know, it's to this day, I, I think back on, on that kind of stuff when, you know, maybe I'm feeling like I can't do something. It's like, you know, we did it because those guys were standing behind us. One of my 
my most special moments in my whole career was we 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 knew like we had a huge lead and um what was it seven nothing going into the last i think seven to one yeah it was it was crazy um and i remember er they they had brought everybody down on the bench i don't know if you remember that but yeah mike farrell just yeah like everybody was standing on the bench and like to to be able to enjoy that last like five minutes i remember like you know, Claude kept sending us out there and like, you just, you're like, you just didn't want it to end because you knew that, you know, this, this, this was, was like it. our last, this was it. This was our last day on the ice together. And I remember the day before we were up three, nothing in the series and Claude Noel, we had a practice scheduled and everybody's like, why are we practicing? And I remember Claude called practice. I'm sure you remember this Claude pr called practice and he goes, we're practicing. He goes, this, this is going to be our last this will probably be our last practice together. And we all practiced. And uh, that was like such a fun practice because we all knew we were going to, we, we just, we knew we, we, we wanted that championship so bad that um, we were going to win. And, you know, that obviously we got up quick in, in game four and to have that moment though, with everybody was on there. I mean, even remember, you know, Ray Shiro and um, you know, the Nashville brass was all there and, all the guys that hadn't played every game and injured guys and Scotty Upshaw and sure. you know, all the guys, we, we were all like just laughing and, you know, we just couldn't wait for that buzzer to go, but we were at the same time, we were like, ah, oh, we don't want it to end. We wish it just could go longer. Right. But when, when we finally got, you know, the, the buzzer went, I remember just jumping over the boards and just chucking my gloves up in the air and going down by Wade Flaherty. And, um, you know, that was a, that was a night that, you know, it was, it, was, it was a great memory to go celebrate. And we had the champagne go in the dressing room and all that. So it was a pretty cool feeling. Was the architect of the two Admirals teams that made it to the Calder Cup Finals. Um, not sure exactly what he did after that. Uh, it, it, I hope he did okay. But uh, it, it's great to talk to this guy. Uh, he's uh, Ray Shiro. I still, re <laughs> I still remember um, Paul Fenton, obviously, was the director of player personnel with uh, Nashville and did such a great job and, and um, ran the draft start in 03. And, um, but it was so funny. Like, he didn't play. He played four to 11 NHL games. Paul did. He didn't play his first game until he was 28. Right. And <clears throat> so at the end of the main training camp, we just sent some of these guys down, let's say Matthew Darsh and you know, okay, well, I, it's hard to say. I mean, okay, but they have to give them something. To, so my whole shtick with guys like that would be, listen, yeah, but, you know, you're 27 years old, whatever. Paul, then I had the Paul Fenton story for all these guys. Right. I'm like, man, well, sure enough, as after, he had, you know, obviously a huge part of us winning. <clears throat> and then he goes on, he ends up playing the NHL, right? And I still remember it could have been five years later, like in the hockey news. Matthew Darsh saying, yeah, like, <clears throat> I'll never forget when I got to Nashville and they sent me down to Milwaukee, Ratio sat me down, and I, here we go, going sent out. But I'll never forget what he said to me. He, you know, he talked about the story I told him about Paul Fenton, and, you know, this is, could be this, just a start for you. It can't be the end. Look at look what happened to him, 411. I mean, what else am I going to say, right? Yeah, <laughs> this right. is the only guy that actually bought it. Welcome to the podcast, Matthew Darsh. I still remember that year. I tell people, and we, and Charlie, you'll remember because you were there, but 
we finished like 30 points ahead of Cincinnati. Back then, they had that playing series, seven versus 10, eight versus nine. So we spent right. 13 days without playing. They were up 3-2 in the series. And I won't mention his name, but there's a guy on the other team, a French player, came to me on the face-off game six. He goes, you guys better beat us. I booked a trip to Cancun for next week. And I was like, oh, make sure your teammates <laughs> don't hear you say that. <laughs> so we – and we ended up winning in seven and six and five and in four – in the finals, I don't know if you remember the goalies we beat that year. It oh. was Ilya Brizgalov in the first round, Kerry Lettinen in the second round, Ryan Miller in the third round, and partly Mark Andre Fleury in the, in the finals. So, and yeah, Andy some, Kyoto, yeah, in the in Andy the Kyoto with Flower came in a few times too. So uh, it was a great run. It's and you'll laugh. You're talking about the Stanley Cup last year. We got our rings two weeks ago, which were humongous. And yes, we saw next those. To my Calder Cup ring. So there was a little bit of there's a side wow. difference. Claude is one of the best coaches I've had. Uh, he was, you know, he was demanding, but he was fair. Like he, and I still remember, like one time he pissed me off, and he was probably right. Is the last game of the season we're going to Chicago? Yeah, I think I was leading the team in scoring. Me, Herc, and uh, Darren Hagar, we all tied fifty-nine points. Yeah, he scratched me. I had an eight-game point streak. He scratched me. It was first time in my life I've ever been scratched. And he just told me, yeah, you're playing well, but you're not playing like Matthew Darsh is supposed to play. And he wanted to light a fire under my – and I was so insulted. I still remember he passed the lineup back on the bus. All right, look who's playing. When I got it, I scrunched it up and I threw it. I was so pissed. <laughs> and you know what? It's – and never did I – like. I'm still extremely good friends with Claude, and I recognize it. Like The worst is I was getting points, but I wasn't playing the way I was supposed to play. And he, I guess he lit a fire under my uh, my ass. I don't know if you can say on the podcast, but yeah, uh, he lit a fire under my ass before the playoffs. And uh, look, we went on to win. So I guess he did the right thing. After the first round, we had a party in one's apartment. So obviously people complained we were allowed. So now the people that ran the building said, all right, next time, just tell us there's like a party room off the pool. So we'll give you the party room. So we beat Chicago. We come back and let's go. We party because we, we had another five days and. You know, it bonded our team, too. And I remember Hutch had a few drinks and, you know, with his face, he jumps in the pool with all his clothes. And then you see him come out of water and he's like this. So, and he puts his hand in his pocket. He had his phone. He had his wallet. Like, oh. <laughs> so, you know, the little stories like that, they're, they're innocent, but it's... It's what you it's remember like from the... Got yeah. us together. Everybody was having fun together. And uh, we had, honestly, it was... a. Uh, a lot, a lot of fun uh, that year. There was like a couple of minutes left. But honestly, these, like, whatever, there was a few minutes left, but he had scored two bang, bang, quick goals. So you just want to, it's easy to say, well, there was no chance it was scoring four, but what if they did and you say, God, I should have called a timeout. So it wasn't right. a bad move, but I wouldn't be surprised if part of it, he did it to really piss off Michelle, uh, which was great. And Michelle, the rest of the series, I, I remember he kept yelling at the bench, of Simon Gamache, Simon, like, he was a gamer, Simone. Like honestly, like he's got the he beat Mario Lemieux's record for most playoff points in the queue. Yeah. Uh, and Simone had that smirk on his face and he tripping back. So he was wasting his time on uh, Simone Gamash. And uh, uh, that cold really got under his skin on that one. There you have it. Hopefully you enjoyed that. We certainly did. We loved hearing those stories the first time we heard them. And obviously we loved hearing them again. We hope you did too. June 6, 2004, the 17th anniversary of the Admirals only Calder Cup championship victory. We uh, hope to 
add another one, obviously, in the spring of 2022. Don't forget that uh, the Admiral season gets going in the second weekend of October. Um, October 16th, maybe that's the third weekend of October as it plays yeah. out. But October 16th is the home opener for the Admirals. We urge you to go to milwaukeeadmirals.com. Keep up to date as to when schedules come out. Look at the guaranteed dates. Get your groups together. Get your ticket plans ready. Uh, because the way it looks right now, Charlie, all systems are go for a, let's call it again with with the parentheses around it, a normal 2021-22 season. Yep, absolutely. We're lo- looking forward to it. Can't wait. It seems like uh, to have uh, some actual d- a, a definitive date is, is seems so much more uh, concrete that we can have something to work for as opposed to just, hey, we're playing again, but we don't know when. So we really can't wait for October 16th to be here. We will be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast. Yeah, can we get it right?